What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 99 as we chat with freelance copywriter Jason Rutkowski about writing in the health and wellness niche, investing in himself and his expertise, his business and writing processes, and what it took to gain traction as a copywriter when he was just starting out. Jason. Welcome, Jason. Hey, Kira. Hey, Rob. How's it going? Glad you're here. Oh, no, I'm excited. I haven't done one of these in a while, so I was excited to do, uh, do it with you. Yeah, it definitely took a little time to get our schedules aligned. We've been trying to make this happen for a little while because, you know, we know a little bit about you and you know and where you write, and we think it'll be a great conversation. So we're glad to have you here. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's kick this off. Jason, how did you end up as a copywriter? Okay. I'll give you the quick story about this. I was 19. I just finished my freshman year of college. I got an internship at a normal nine to five job and I realized I hated it. I was like, oh man, like I saw all these people who worked in an office, you know, 30, 40 years. I'm like, is this really going to be my life? And also at the same exact time, I was on the internet one day and I found an internet marketing forum. And I was like, what's an internet marketing forum? I don't know. So I go on it and I see all these guys. I'm like, yeah, I just made a 200 grand this year, 500 grand this year. I work from home. I'm I'm sitting at my desk all day. I'm like, what? I was like, how is that even possible? So I started getting really into it. And then I learned about traffic drivers and marketing and product creation and all these things. And I was really confused. I was like 19, 20 years old. So I heard about copywriting, but I didn't decide to be a freelance copywriter right away. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create my own products. I'm going to do Google AdWords. I'm going I'm to drive traffic. I'm going to do the whole thing like from start to finish. And I horribly failed for like, you know, I was going to school full time and then I was doing this part time and I was just failing and failing. And then after a couple of years of that, I decided I'm like, okay, this isn't working. I'm just going to do copywriting because I think this is what I like most. I don't like doing all this other technical stuff, marketing stuff. I'm just going to do copywriting. So yeah, from then on out, I just picked a niche. I was like, I'll just write in health. And from then on out, I just started growing my business. So I'm interested in what some of those failures look like. What were the products that you were creating and why were they failing? Oh, I mean, the why is a lot of reasons. The products I was creating, I created kind of an ebooks for a big thing back then. Back then, you could just like write an ebook and like sell it and people would buy it. And so I, I created one for anxiety, which I actually went through a lot in the beginning of my life. I also created a few for some like headache solutions and like kind of like different health things. And I put, you know, I don't know, these 150, 200 page books together, which is some random info that I thought was good. But then the whole process of, you know, I was trying to do organic SEO, trying to target the right keyword. I was in college, so I had very little money they actually spent on driving traffic, paid traffic. And I was just doing a lot of things wrong. There's a lot of small marketing things that you don't know going into it, like how to do the SEO right, how to do the traffic right, how to do the delivery right, how to build your list, like doing a lot of bad stuff with building my list. Just like a lot of mistakes where it's just like, I was just some teenage kid and I didn't know what I was doing. But I did learn a lot. And I also learned through the process that, you know, what I really liked doing the most was the copywriting. So I just decided to give up the whole build my own business thing and do the copywriting thing instead. So what did that look like in the first stages? How did you, you know, connect with your first client and why did you choose the niche that you chose? Oh, back then, that was me doing my own stuff. In terms of the freelance copywriting, I started on the freelance websites, which I don't know if it is a good way to do it anymore, but you know, it was like these cheap little jobs on like Elance and Guru and Oda, like and I don't even know if that stuff was even worth it. I mean, I guess it paid me some money and it gave me some actual samples I could send to people. 
but I didn't really get any good long-term clients out of that. I didn't start getting good long-term clients until I decided, and it took me way too long to figure this out, but to actually go to live events and like talk with people and like actually like start. Wait, what's that? (laughs) Talking to people? Yeah, I know. I know. I literally spent like my first three years copywriting trying to do everything from my room, like cold calling, <laughs> e-desk, Olance, like cheap little, I mean, I don't know. And I was like, I was making so little money from it. I had like a nine to five office job to support myself. And then I would come home and do this, right? I wasn't even close to making enough money to support myself. So I decided, okay, the only way this is going to work is if I start going to live events. So I'm like, okay, what live events should I go to? Which ones are good? You know, what's some high quality live events I could go to? And the first one I ever went to was a clean and make piece, like $5,000 seminar. And I did not have $5,000, by the way, but I did have good credit. So I put out my credit card <laughs> <laughs> and I actually did. Actually, one thing I always thank my mom for is she got me a credit card at 18 and she taught me how to use it. And by the time I was in like my early to mid twenties, I had like a credit card with like a $25,000 limit on it. It was complete. That was like completely, paid, you know, I had no, That's I had no, I know, but I had no debt. Like it was unused. So I decided to be a little risky and go to this clean and make peace seminar, which ended up being the absolute best decision of my life because I met my mentor, Paris Lampropolis. I met Marcella Allison and I met Paul Martinez all at the same conference. We were all very, very good friends to this day. And yeah, then after that, it was a matter of, I mean, I don't know, when I talk face to face with people, I feel like all my failures from early in my career gave me a kind of a big foundation to talk about where it's like, okay, this person clearly, you know, has done the studying, has been in the trenches, has done some work. I haven't had a lot of success, but at least like this kid just needs a chance or this kid, you know, he's, he's not a newbie. So I can trust this guy to some extent. And then from then on out, it was just kind of going to more conferences, building my freelance career and, you know, kind of trying to develop some long-term relationships with people and that type of thing. So that's how I did it. Okay, this is exciting. So we're going to talk more about, you know, cubbing with Paris and some of these relationships you've built. But it sounds like this first event, this Clayton Makepeace event was like the first big event that you invested in. That's a big deal. And how did you even find the right event? And like, how did you even get over all of your hesitations and probably your own objections around spending $5,000 on an event that may not pay off. Right. Especially when you're still figuring that out and you didn't know that you would build a relationship with Paris sure. and meet Paul. Sure. What did you have to go through to make that investment? Okay. So I think the most important thing about going to any event is like having a plan. Like you should have a plan. Like you should like know who's going to be there, who are you going to talk to and what you want out of the event. hundred percent. So when I went, I was like, okay, here's what actually happened. So before the event, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to do this freelance copywriting thing. I'm on these like freelance websites. I'm making like no money. I have like no relationship and no reputation with like any of these big names in the industry. I was like, what's the fastest, best way to both build my reputation and what's a better way to get better results, like to increase my skill level? And I started researching and I noticed like all these like top A-list copywriters were like trained by other A-list copywriters. So it's like, okay. John Carlton was trained by Gary Hobart and Jim Rutz. Paris was trained by Clayton. Carlin Cole was trained by Clayton. David Deutsch was trained by Jim Rutz. Like there's like this whole succession of like 
mentors and apprentices and like learning from people who are way smarter than you. And I was like, okay, that's what I need. And this was kind of back in the day, way before communities, like, you know, kind of like the copywriters club, like before, like, you know, back in the day, it was just like internet marketing forums, where it's just like thousands and thousands of people who didn't know what they were talking about. And like these Facebook groups that like don't know what they're talking about. And it's just like, there wasn't really a lot of like high quality places you can really go to. Um, so I was like, okay, I need to find a mentor. I was like, okay, I'm in the health niche. Who's like the top health niche mentor that I know that trains copy cubs? I go, oh, Paris Sampropolis. And it's 100% true. I was like, okay, I need to find Paris. How can I contact him? I was like, well, he has a LinkedIn and a Facebook. And I'm like, that's not going to work. You can't really form a relationship by sending somebody a Facebook message, right? And people try to do this with Paris all the time. They try to send them like a LinkedIn message and be like, hey, uh, <laughs> hey Paris, uh, can you be my mentor? And, you know, and I was like, that's not, that's not going to work. So it's like, okay, I got to meet Paris and I got to meet other people too, but I especially want to meet him. So I was like, okay, where is he going to be? And then I was on, I was like, who does like big copywriting seminars and programs? I'm like, AWAI which I was never really a part of. I never really went through AWA's training program. I never did any of that stuff. So I went on their website and I just, and they have a live event page. I went to that and they're like, oh, in two months, Clayton is having this $5,000 seminar. I was like, okay, that's interesting. I love Clayton Makepeace. Who's on the guest list? And then on the guest list was Paris Sampropolis. I was like, oh, perfect. I'll pay $5,000 and I'll go to the seminar, right? And I'll meet him there. But here's the question. One of my goals was to get him to be my mentor. But there's no way you're going to do that just from meeting him at one seminar, right? <laughs> you're not just going to talk to somebody at a bar and be like, hey, want to enter into this seven, five, seven year relationship with me? <laughs> you know, like that's not going to work. So I did what I always tell people to do when they go to seminars. You have to focus on like making friends and developing relationships and getting people to like you. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, and I used to do this and I still kind of do this to this day, before every seminar, I read the book how to win friends and influence people two times. I read it two times. And there's this section in the book called six ways to make people like you. And it is like gold. It is like, if you just follow those exact <laughs> six things, it, like just follow it. Like don't even question it. Just follow. And it's like simple stuff. It's like talk in terms of the other person's interests, make people feel important. Remember their name. You know, it's like ask them questions about, it's like the most basic stuff that people don't do. Like most people go to seminars and then they do one of two things. They don't talk. They're super shy, which I mean, I'm I'm nationally introverted guy, really. They don't talk. Or if they do talk, they talk about themselves. So which is like both things are awful, awful things to do. But yeah, so I read that book and I went there and I met Marcella and I met Paris and I just really tried to become friends with them, trying to get them to like me. I told them, you know, I asked them questions about themselves. They asked me questions about myself. I told them about my career. Yeah, really, it kind of blossomed from there. And I was able to, Paris gave me his email, which I thought was great. Turns out it was kind of luck of the draw. He was starting a new copy group sometime soon. And from then on out, we did a project together. He liked it and then he invited me to his group. So that's how that worked out. I love how strategic you were about this entire process. And I'm so glad I asked about it because I had no idea that you planned it out. I just thought you accidentally bumped into Paris oh, and no. built a relationship. And even now I'm thinking, wow, what a great idea to read that book twice before going to events because. I met you recently at an event, hung out, and I really like you. So I feel like you used those steps on me because it worked. <laughs> I mean, it's just stuff you should be doing on a day-to-day basis, really. I mean, it's not even stuff like, okay, I'm only going to do this at this event. It's just like, you should just become, right. you know. So for the people on this podcast, I know Kieran Rob through a Brian Kurtz mastermind group. And, you know, Brian talks about this all the time about becoming interested in other people and talking with other. I mean, it's really basic stuff that a lot of people forget. 
Yeah. I and mean, you talk about using this to meet a mentor. Have you used the same process to meet clients and connect with clients? Oh, definitely. I mean, so another thing you should be doing is finding out what clients are going to be at these events, like before you even go. And you should be knowing like who they are, what their marketing is, you know, what promos are they running? You know, what's their marketing strategy? How does the funnel look? To give another example, I was at the Cleveland event we were at for Brian Kurtz's thing. I went up to this guy and Paul Martinez introduced me to this guy named Alan. And he's the CEO of a health company called Patriot Health Alliance. And I didn't know who he was. But however, I knew who his company was because I've been following them for like a year and a half. So he introduces me himself because Alan's kind of a low-key guy. He doesn't like speeches or podcasts or anything like that. He goes, oh, my name's Alan. You know, I'm, I'm the CEO of Patriot Health Alliance. And I go, oh, I've seen three of your VSLs and eight of your sales letters. So like, how's this thing doing? How's that thing doing? And he had this look on his face, like, how does this guy know all this? Right? Like, how does, like, because when most freelance copywriters go up to clients, like, they don't even know the basics, man. They barely even know who they are. You know, last year I was at AWAI's bootcamp, which is every October, and Paris forced me to do the. <laughs> Paris has a booth there and he, for one of his clients, and he's like, Jason, you got to help me. Barnaby's not, because Barnaby usually does it, but he wasn't there that year. He's like, you got to help me do it, Jason. I, I need some help. I was like, okay, Paris. <laughs> and then I'm standing there at the job fair booth. So it's, it's a job fair where people come up to you and like tell you about themselves. And they would come up to me. They'd be like, what does your company do? What products does your company sell? Oh, what type of writing do you guys do? I was like, how do you guys not know this information? You know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, you gotta, like, when I went to my first boot camp years ago, like, I had like five or six clients where like, I took notes, like before I went, I knew what products they sold, I knew what campaigns they were running, I knew all this information. And then when you enter in a conversation with these people, you're like, six or seven steps down the line, instead of at step one, which is who are you? And what do you do? You know, you don't want to be there. So I think that's a big mistake a lot of people make. And I mean, if you could show clients that like, because these people care so deeply about their businesses. When you talk like Alan, he's a CEO of a company, like his business is his life. You know, he's he spent hours, you know, hundreds, thousands of hours of his time building that business. I mean, if you could talk with him at a deep level about it and you could show like, you have like a high level knowledge of his marketing, he's going to like you. He's going to be like, wow, this is someone who I can actually talk with at a deep level. Maybe he starts to like you a little bit and maybe somewhere down the line, you can, you know, a lot of times when I meet clients, I just, only thing I want is their contact info. I don't ask them for a job right away. Sometimes that happens, but like, I just want like, hey man, let's just like, give me your email, let's set up a phone call, let's, let's talk later, or let's meet in the bar later. Or, you know, like, I just want to be liked enough so I can continue the conversation later, which should be your main goal, really. And then, you know, stuff blossoms from that. So I think that it's a big mistake people make when they go to conferences, not studying, you know, not knowing what you're doing, why you're doing it, who you're going to meet what you want from them, you know, how this relationship is going to develop, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, that advice to me, that is gold right there. This interview just for that one thing is worth the hour of time that we're putting into yeah. it. So that's Shut fantastic down, advice. We're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to repeat everything I just said, but it is really important. Yeah, it's funny. Kira says, you said you were surprised I was so strategic in meeting Paris. But I mean, yeah, that's how you get those results is by being very strategic. You know, you, you have to have some goal in mind and then you have to have some action steps to achieve it. And it's like, if you just start thinking about that way and everything that you do, a lot of stuff, I'm just sitting at my desk and I'm thinking, what should I do? So I'm going to go to this conference. What should I do? What do I want? Like some three or four basic questions you can ask to yourself before you do anything. Don't just go do things without, you know, without thinking about it. Just, you know, it doesn't require much, but here's one thing that I wanted to bring up. 
I was reading your questions this morning and I thought, I definitely want to tell you this. If you're a freelance cap writer and you go to a marketing event, what's great about going to a marketing event is you get to meet other successful writers, which is something you don't usually get to do. Usually you're sitting at your desk wherever you live and you're just all alone and that's it. So like, okay, two or three times a year, you're able to actually talk with people. This is great. And one thing I used to do when I was like, I had no success and my school level was low and I had no reputation is I would go up to people like Marcella and I would just ask them questions about how, kind of like what you're doing on this podcast. Like, how did you get started? What was your first job? Like, what steps, what was your biggest obstacle? What did, like, same questions. But, you know, in a face-to-face interaction, maybe at a bar or a restaurant where conversation flows really easily and all the benefits of face-to-face interaction. And I would just like take mental notes and I would go and I would find as many successful freelance copywriters as I could, which would be like eight or nine of them at each conference. And I would just ask them the same questions. It's like, how'd you get started? What was your first jobs? What was like, and people love telling you their stories, man, especially if you're successful and you're an entrepreneur, people love (laughs) to talk about, oh man, I was struggling so hard. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, I, I was homeless for six months. You know, everyone was, everyone was telling that story. But you get to learn so much. Like, you get to see what the thinking is. Just like this podcast, you get to see what the thinking is. It's like, okay, I should be doing that stuff. Like, I should be doing that. Almost like the questions I would ask myself, I learned from these people. Because it's the same questions they ask themselves. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start doing that. You might not get success right away within the first day or two. But if you plan it out, six months from now, 12 months from now, you're going to have, you're going to be so much farther along than you ever thought it was possible. You should have recorded those conversations. You could have turned it into a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If if only. So I want to ask you about, you know, we'll kick off and talk about your Copy Cub experience with Paris because you mentioned him. Did you know the exact moment where Paris kind of leaned in and was like, oh yeah, I want you to be my Copy Cub? Was there a moment that you had together? Yeah. You know, I really want to send you guys something. So the story of how I met Paris and how... I got him to give me his email address. Because by the way, the funny story about Paris giving me his email, Paris doesn't carry business cards because he doesn't want anyone talking to him, right? He's actually an incredibly nice guy, but he doesn't want people coming. <laughs> if you meet him at a conference, he, I, I'm making him sound like he's like the Scrooge or something. He's not. He's actually a nice guy, but he doesn't want people contacting him because too many people contact him, right? He's at that level where he's yeah. too famous in our industry. So too many people ask him for stuff. It was really funny. I was talking with him and it was Paul Martinez, me and Paris. And Paul asked Paris a question. And then Paris turns around and there's a piece of paper on this table that's behind him and he writes something down. I'm like, okay, he's going to give Paul, it's like a note for Paul because Paul just asked a question. He's going to write something down and give this thing to Paul. So he, he writes something down, he folds it up and then he walks up to me. He hands this thing to me and he says, I never give this to anybody. That's what he said. He didn't say anything else. He just said, I never give this to anybody. And he handed it to me. And I opened it up and it was his email address. I was like, no way. I was like, this is unbelievable. And by the way, when he gave me that, I instantly thought to myself, that $5,000 was worth it. This is exactly what I came here for. That, that, like I said, my main goal wasn't to become his copy club. My main goal was to become his friend and have him, you know, at least give me his contact info, which is super hard to get. And that was like my big, big goal. And that happened at like the second day. And I was like, okay, uh, I can go home now. <laughs> like, I don't even need to stay at this conference anymore, even though it was a great conference. But yeah, so what I wanted to send you guys was when I first met Paris, well, let's rewind. Right before I met Paris, I met Marcella because I was too nervous to go up to Paris. And I met Marcella and I asked her the standard Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people questions. I asked her a bunch of questions about herself. And then what happens was when you ask people questions about themselves, they ask you questions about yourself. 
And I had a couple of stories that I actually like had planned out about my career and myself. And I told one of them, Marcella, and she goes, wow, that's actually a great... I don't have time to go into the story right now because it's really long. It's like a 10 minute story. But she's like, wow, that's actually a really great story. And she goes, you got to tell that to Paris. And then she dragged me over to... And Marcella always takes full credit for this. Every time I meet Marcella, she goes, I introduce you to Paris. You got to thank me. And I'm like, yeah, okay, Marcella. She dragged me over there and she's like, Paris, you got to listen to this good story. And I told him the story. And when I told it to him, his like eyes lit up. Like when you're surprised, like your eyes get really big. And he's like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, what is this? I don't have time to go into the story. However, you're teasing the story. You're teasing it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, no, no. Here's, here's the thing. About a year ago, I wrote out the story because Marcella was running, just started her Titanize thing. And she wanted, she needed some content to send to her list of people. And I wrote this thing. And I go, hey, Marcella, you remember that story I told you? She's like, yeah, it was a great story. I was like, yeah, I wrote, I wrote an article about it. It was kind of like, I think the title is um, the single most important thing you could do at live marketing events. And then I went into this thing about telling like a really interesting story about yourself that gets people really excited about you and who you are. And I told the story and then I taught the lesson that comes after the story. It's the same thing I'm telling you right now, but I actually wrote out the whole thing. So I'm going to send it to you and you guys can share it with your people. Cool. We'll link to it. What's great about stories is it convinces people like, okay, this guy's marketing knowledge, his copywriting knowledge, his work ethic, like it instantly communicates all that but in like an exciting, interesting way. And you should be really using that when you're meeting people at marketing conferences. So that's what the article is about. But yeah, it has the whole story in there. If you want to read it, the whole thing's in there. Cool. We'll check it out. So I am a little hesitant to ask this question because I know you can't answer a whole lot. You know, we've talked with Paul, we've talked with Marcella, and anytime, you know, we talk to people who have been Paris's Cubs, you know, everybody wants to know, you know, what's the experience like. And I'm guessing you get this from just about everybody that you talk to who knows that you're in that relationship. Mm. And so, you know, Paris actually shared his book list, you know, at our event. And so there are some of those kinds of things that I know that he's willing to share. But will you just tell us a little bit about the experience, the kinds of things that you do with Paris, you know, without revealing anything that's super secret, but just what's that experience like? And what have you taken away from it? Yeah. So, I mean, I could give you a general overview. It's like you said, you got the book list. So Paris always has us reading books. We get on these calls that are, you know, two, three hours long sometimes. And the books in itself, you should read the books 100%. But they kind of provides like a syllabus where it's like he teaches lessons through the book. So we read the book, we discuss our notes, and then he starts going very deep into what he thinks about it and kind of what like the deeper psychological lessons are with the book. And he kind of like starts, you know, he has, he throws in a lot of examples from his career, stuff he's written, he sends us writing examples. So it's like the books, I could get more into this about the other stuff too. But the books are kind of a launching pad to like other things he wants to talk to us about. There's a lot of homework. There's a lot of writing. There's a lot of unpaid writing, (laughs) by the way. And there's paid stuff, but it's a big time commitment from the moment he starts the call. Like I said, some of these calls are three hours long. It's constant. It's constant copywriting, constant marketing, just like it's almost overload. Like you get to the end of the call and everyone's like extremely exhausted. Of course, he has his techniques that I can't talk about. He has like proprietary stuff I can't talk about. But overall, it's, it's a lot of Paris talking. I don't know how he does it. When you're at that level, that Paris is at, like, he could just go off on one topic for a really, really long time. But yeah, I mean, at the end of every call, you feel like, man, I learned so much. And then what Paris says, he records the call, and then we have to re-listen to it. And if you really want to get, like, all the lessons out of that call, you're re-listening to it five or six times, at least. And yeah, I mean, do you have any specific questions anymore about the group? I have a question, you know, for someone who's listening and they're like, okay, I don't know Paris, I'm not going to be his copy cub anytime soon for whatever reasons, but I want to do something similar or I want to, you know, do they need to read the books or do they need to find another mentor? Is there a way it's almost like we could hack the system and 
of course, you can't replicate that type of experience that you're currently having. But what about for people who cannot be a coffee cub for whatever reason? How can they take something that you've learned and use it? Here's what I do, because the thing about Paris is he teaches you the lesson and you might understand the lesson intellectually where it's like in the same thing. If you read a book, say you read a copyright book, one of the books on those lists, you know, it talks about some headline technique or it talks about some bullet writing technique or it talks about some other copy technique. It's like you might understand it intellectually, but if you want to actually understand how to apply this stuff in real life, the absolute best thing you could do is take winning promos. And I could talk about how you actually know how a promo is winning or not. Take winning promos in your niche and start reverse engineering what you're looking at specifically for the one. So Paris will say, okay, here's this super specific bullet writing technique that I came up with. And here's why I do it. Like, okay, that makes sense. And then what I do is I pull up five or six winning promos, preferably Paris promos, but it could be any top health copywriter. And like, I just reverse engineer. I just look for instances where that technique is happening over and over. And I write it down. I have a notebook or I have a word document and I have all these word documents on my computer where it's like this technique and I open up that Word document, and it's just like 20, 25 examples of that technique. And it's like this other technique, you know, this headline tech, like in the health niche, there's like three or four stories you can write. So a common story in the health niche is some person has a problem. They tried a million different things. They came into the doctor. Doc, I, I tried all these million different things. It didn't work. The doctor is like, okay, I got this new treatment that no one knows about. Do the treatment. Wow, doc. Two weeks later, my thing's cured. I suffered from this for 20 years, and now it's gone. And then people wonder, well, what's the technique? How? And then you could go and copy. So that's a common health niche story technique. Well, what I do is I create a Word document and I open and I go find five or six or 10 or you know, 15, 20 examples of that. And I just either handwrite it or I type it out. And now I have a document where it's just like, okay, anytime I'm writing health copy, I can open up that document. I'm like, okay, I, I want to use this type of story, this type of technique. And now I got you know, 15, 20 examples that I can not steal the copy, but I could swipe the structure, I could swipe the buildup, how they tease it. And it just like drills it into your mind. The most important thing is not just realizing what you need to do, but how you can actually do it in your day-to-day life. Because I mean, there's so many times where people read the books and they go, oh yeah, that's interesting. I understand that intellectually, but then they're doing the same copywriting now as they did six months ago. And that's because they didn't drill it into their head of like, well, how is this actually used in real life? And how can I structure this so when I'm doing a project, I can use this in real life? How is it going to change the way I write copy? And a lot of people think it's going to happen automatically. It's not. Okay, you need to go out of your way, which is why Paris recommends handwriting promos. A big benefit of that, it drills it in your head of like how you're actually supposed to be doing this at this moment. So I would recommend that. That was the biggest breakthrough. Really, I used to not do that when I first started the Paris group. And then I started you know, reading books and reverse engineering things and creating Word documents and finding real life examples. And honestly, I think it made me a lot better. Yeah, I think what you're talking about here is mastery. You know, and when Paris was talking about his book list at our event, he mentioned, you know, you don't just read them once, you read them once just to get a sense of what's in them, then you go through the second time and you underline, and then you go through the third time and you start taking notes, you know, and and handwriting what you've underlined into a notebook. And then, you know, there's two or three more times that you go through it. And you're basically taking that process to everything that you're doing and seeing. I mean, my sense is, Jason, you don't just want to be a copywriter. You want to be a master of copywriting. And I think there's a really significant difference. Oh, definitely. A part of that is just my personality. I do it that way because that's the only way I can imagine myself doing it. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't think of it as I got to put in this hard work. I think of it as, well, this is my career. And the more I do this, the better results I get. And then when I'm sitting with clients or talking with other copywriters, I can speak about things at a higher level. 
you know, if you do that stuff on a daily basis, if you're constantly reading promos, reverse engineering promos, reading books, taking notes, even just one or two years down the line, you're going to be able to sit down with people and just, you know, almost like this, have like a huge conversation about the tiniest, littlest thing. But it's like, you can, you know, when I talk with Paul, Paul Martinez, huge A-list copywriter, that's what we do when we sit down and we have like private one-on-one conversations. We'll just talk about one tiny little copywriting thing for like 20, 30 minutes because we both went through that process of deep diving, studying handwriting, reverse engineering, promos, reading book, like, and that just changes the way you think about things. So before we leave off this whole idea, you know, of, of what you're doing with Paris and this self-mastery thing, is there one book or one course that you would say, hey, if you want to get started on this path, yeah. this is the book to start with? What would that be? Well, this answer is an answer no one ever talks about. And it, it makes me really mad. And it's actually one of the first books Paris had us read. And it's actually about a topic that so many people ignore. And it's so obvious because at this point, I get a lot of people who want me to critique their copy. Like, hey, Jason, it doesn't have to be for the health niche, but like, hey, Jason, I have my business. Can you please, I'm not a copywriter. Can you critique my copy? And they send me their copy. And all of them have this one huge, huge problem that they don't seem to realize that they have. And it's not that they don't understand copywriting. It's that they don't understand how to write. Like, there's so many copywriters who cannot write. So a book that's on Paris's list is On Writing Well by William Zinsser. And I love that book. And another book I would recommend is The Brilliance Breakthrough by Eugene Schwartz, specifically the first eight chapters of it. Listen, when I critique copy, the first thing I critique is how it's written. Not your power words or emotion or any of that stuff. Just like your sentence doesn't make sense or this sentence doesn't connect to that sentence or it's too long or you're bouncing around or you're using like the wrong thing and wrong, like really basic writing ability that people think, oh, Jason, I passed 11th grade English class. I don't need to learn how to write. Or even worse, like I have an English degree. I'm like, that doesn't mean, show me something you're written. You could have been bad. You know, I don't know. Just because you have a bachelor's degree doesn't mean you're good at writing. But yeah, I mean, I always tell people, it's so foundational and people ignore it. Learn how to write. Read those two books. I've read On Writing Well and A Brilliant Breakthrough probably, and this is not exaggerated, eight or nine times each with my notes. I reread the book and reread my notes and I'm constantly comparing. I spent the first year with Paris just learning how to write. And one thing, when Paris critiques my copy, if you haven't applied the lessons from those two books perfectly, he's going to chew my ass out <laughs> for like 10 minutes. Jason, oh, we went over this a million times. Like Nothing to do with copywriting, just with writing oh sentences. <laughs> like It's so important and so many people ignore it. And then they come to me with this like fake John Carlton copy where like, they have like these 40, 50 word sentences that never end. And it's just like, none of it makes sense. And I'm just like, dude, forget the copywriting books, man. Start with the writing books, go through those two books, and then go to, you know, John Cables and Vic Schwab and those books. Okay. So that's my recommendation. Learn how to write. That's incredible that's advice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was a PSA. And really, I mean, really, people listening to this, I mean, it's a big thing. It's like, if you read those two books, especially multiple times, like I said, Brilliance Breakthrough, Eugene Schwartz, Brian Kurtz sells it, and Odd Writing Well, Williams and Sir, like, it should fundamentally change the way you write sentences. It should. Like, if it's not, maybe you're already an amazing writer. That's great. I hope you are. You know, that's a lot less work. But if you're like me, which is like most people, you need to really sit down and do it. And just as far as Brilliance Breakthrough goes, just to add, when you buy that book, you get a workbook because yeah. there are writing exercises in the book. And basically, that allows you to you know run through the workbook. You're not necessarily writing in the book itself. And you can actually practice with it. So it's a fantastic resource. 
it totally, I know, I know, I think he sells it for like $200, which people might think $200 for a book. Wow. I'm never going to pay that. Totally worth it. hundred yep. percent. It's funny at the end of the eighth chapter, Eugene Schwartz actually says, I could end the book right here if I wanted to, which is true because the most fundamental part is the first eight chapters. And then everything else is kind of supplementary. It's good stuff. But the first eight chapters, man, it's tough about like how to write clearly, how to write simply. Simplicity and clarity, two big things people don't know how to do. And it's like the way Eugene Schwartz talks about in that book is amazing. I love that book so much. Totally worth the 200 bucks. So I want to hear more about your writing process. When you're sitting down to work on a project, I want to kind of just get a glimpse into what's happening in your office. Like where are you starting? Clearly you have an incredible resource library and swipe files to pull from. But what does your yeah. process look like as you're moving into a project, even starting with the research portion? Yeah, I mean, research is huge. I mean, becoming a good researcher is just as important as becoming a good writer. Like I know I just talked about for 10 minutes about learning how to write. Think about copywriting is there's so many things to learn, right? If you want to do this at a really high level, you got to master like 100 different skills, which is kind of daunting, but also kind of exciting. And one of the big skills you need to master is research. So the question is, uh, what do I research and how do I do it? That's going to depend on the niche. That's going to depend on your product. You know, in health, the big products are supplements, books, just DVD programs, and like newsletters, okay? All those products have like their own research methodology that like you're going to go through that's specific to the product in that niche. I would say overall, the best thing you can do, and this is another thing that takes forever to do, but it's totally worth it, is I would take promos written by Paris in the health niche. Like, okay, Paris, I'm doing a book promo for bottom line right now. I would take a book promo that Paris did for bottom line, and I would open it up and I would read the information. And then I would say to myself, like, how did Paris come up with this information? I mean, you can just ask yourself, like, how did he do this research? And you'll come up with like the most surprising answers. So one thing I used to do was Paris wrote a bunch of promos for bottom line books five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Well, those promos, because Paris wrote them, were hugely successful. And that means millions of people bought those books or hundreds of thousands of people bought those books. So that means people have those books. Like books are eternal, right? People like buy a book and put it on their bookshelf and never look at it. But that also means that people sell those books to this day. So you can actually, I would take a Paris promo from 15 years ago, they wrote from bottom line, and the book would be called, I actually have one right here. Oh, Speed Healing Unlimited, Bottom Line Speed Healing Unlimited. It's right by my desk. I went on Amazon, I typed in Bottom Line Speed Healing Unlimited, and there's people that sell this book for like $2, and you can buy it for two bucks. So I bought the book, I put the book on my desk, I took Paris's promo, I put the promo on my desk, and I would open up the promo, and it would say a bullet or an article, and then it would say the page number. It's like, I found this information in this page of this book. I would take the book, I'd open it up to that page, and I would read the page. And I would say to myself, well, how did Paris come up with this information? So I'm like, I'm like reverse engineering his research process, right? Like, and you'll see stuff like the book would be so boring. It's the most boring information ever. And Paris turned it into this like amazing, you know, David Deutsch is good at this too, like this amazing, amazing thing. And you can do this to this day, especially with information products, just reverse engineer the research, like find out what the final copy was, and then go back to the source. And then you'll start realizing, oh, during my research process, I should think like this, I should do this. You know, if I'm reading information, it's like this, I should think about it in this way, I should write this down, and maybe this turns into a piece of copy later. And I would just do stuff like that. I did that for like seven or eight books, like seven or eight promos. And stuff. And books are great, because people always keep on, like I said, people always hold on to books, people, books last forever. So if you get some book promotions written by A-list copywriters, and if you could buy the book or buy the free report, whatever information product it is, and you can like reverse engineer it, I mean, 
that influenced my research process. So like I said, it's going to be different depending on what product you're doing, what niche you're in. But a lot of it is a lot of learning copywriting is reverse engineering. And then it's going to influence your research process in your own way, really. Because I feel like a lot of people's processes are different. So specifically, if I'm doing like a supplement, you know, I'll research Google, I'll go on to scientific articles, I'll, I'll do a bunch of random different things. But all my reverse engineering has influenced my process in some way. You know, Paris always says, you know, I can look at a piece of information and I see something amazing and a B-list copywriter looks at the same piece of information and they see something that's boring, right? So it's like, I take that amazing thing and I, I see the gold nugget in there that other people don't see. And that's a big reason for a success. And that's a way you can learn to do that by, well, okay, what did Paris see? Okay, let me go back. Let me see what he saw, you know? So that's what I recommend. There's so much stuff here that I, I'm just totally jonesing over. This is awesome. So I, I'm thinking that there, you know, people may be listening to this and thinking, okay, uh, Jason works in, you know, the health niche. And that's something that I'm really interested in doing myself. Hmm. You know, in addition to the advice that you gave about like, how do you connect with potential clients? What are the things that people can do to break into this niche? You know, what should they be looking at studying? You know, how do you get your first client, you know, writing for say a newsletter or a health supplement? The very first thing is studying the market. So you need to get on everybody's list, everybody's email list. For health, I'm just going to name some random companies. You got New Market Health. You got, in all their companies, Health Sense Media. You got Dr. Gundry, Advanced by Nutritionals, Nature City, Patriot Health Alliance. So you get on everybody's email list. And what I did is I created my own Gmail account just for health. So I have a Gmail account that's just for collecting health emails, like traffic driving emails. And my, that email has like, 80,000 emails. I have 80,000 health emails. Wow. Because I've been doing it for years, right? It's like years <laughs> old. So the first process before even thinking about writing for somebody is studying the market. If you're meeting people, if it's through an email, through LinkedIn, at a marketing conference, through a rec- reference, a recommendation, you should know who you're talking to and what you're talking about. Like you got to know that stuff. It helps if you have some writing samples because everyone always asks for writing samples. And if you don't have a writing sample, do what I did. Rewrite somebody's copy. Take a control that's already out there and rewrite it completely in your own words. Like this works well for an information product. So it's like, okay, bottom line, it has this promo. That's a book, a book promo to sell in the book. Or this guy has a program that's like an ebook or free report. And the copy is about that information product. Well, just buy the information product and rewrite the copy with your own headline and your own body copy. You know, using all the lessons you learned from the books and reverse engineering and studying the health market and have, you know, at least two samples, just have two samples. You don't even, clients just want to see that you can write something. Also do the two books I talked about on how to actually write sentences and put a couple samples together. And I mean, I always hated, the thing is like, at least for me, like cold emailing and cold calling people never really worked. Really, I was struggling until I started going to events and, you know, started doing all the things I talked about, about researching people and becoming friends with people. That's just my process. I know there's some people out there that have some success with, you know, I know Paul Martinez on his podcast on here talked about some things he did that sounded really good that I never did. So maybe in terms of contacting people through email or LinkedIn or online, maybe other people have some better information than me. But for me, it was, you know, get to the point where you know what you're talking about. Learn how to make people like you, how to become friends with people, form relationships with people, go to live events, and then grow your copywriting business from there. And, you know, deep dive your niche, deep dive your market, know what you're talking about. And that's what worked for me. So, What's clear in all of your responses is that you are deeply committed to mastery, which Rob mentioned, and that you're, you do the work, like you do the work times yeah, a lot. <laughs> 10. And that's what will make you the master and compared to a lot of covers who will not do the work and are not ready to 
write copy and copy books and read books eight times. My final question for you is, what does the future of copywriting look like to you? It's really interesting because I spend so much of my time in health and now finance. And those tend to be the two big niches like everyone likes to talk about because that's where like the most money and most competition is. I know there's many niches outside that, but I find that it's kind of niche by niche. You really got to understand how your niche operates. And I'll give two examples of health and finance. Like health, I found that there's a lot of health companies out there. There's a lot of like supplement companies out there that are like low eight-figure supplement companies that love to hire freelancers and even maybe high seven-figure companies. Like love to work for freelancers. They don't have a big in-house team and they're willing to hire people to come in, you know, just for a project or two. And that's something that's very unique and specific to the health niche. And then on the other hand, there's the financial niche, which nowadays tends to be very in-house focused, like very like, you know, especially with the Agora divisions, like big companies, big in-house teams who don't like working with freelance copywriters unless you're high level. If you're high level, and by high level, I mean like you really got to know what you're doing. You really already have to have a reputation and you have to like have connections and know people. Unless you're at that level, like they love their in-house system. The financialists loves like their in-house teams. And, you know, you move to wherever Baltimore, Florida, wherever they're located. And like you work in their system for two years. And that's like a very financial niche thing. But the health niche is kind of, there are in-house health niche teams. But it's like, so it varies. Like as you travel through the different niches that exist, the best thing I always tell people to do is like, get as much good information as you can. And the best way to get good information is, well, listen to stuff like this. And also go to events where you have like successful entrepreneurs, successful marketers, successful copywriters, find out what niche they work in. And just like, I'm always digging up information, man. I'm always talking to Ridge Abraham, worked at Agora Financial. You know, Ridge is a successful financial copywriter. I'm always asking him questions about the niche. Always asking him questions about Agora. I'm always asking him questions. Like I'm always trying to get a better picture of, you know, how does this niche work? You know, what's going on? What's the freelance landscape like? What's the in-house landscape like? Like how do these publishers and executives make decisions? Like I'm always just gathering that info, right? So you kind of have to do that in whatever niche you're in. But I will say the freelance niche still exists. You can still have a lot of success with it. I think in health is a good opportunity. Other niches, I'm not too familiar with like the biz op and internet marketing niche really, but I assume I know a couple of freelancers that are very successful in that those type of spaces. So yeah, try to get as much good information on whatever niche you're going to go into as you can. Lots of opportunity for anyone who's really willing to put in the work, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to stand out because because <laughs> I, you know, I was talking with Paris about this the other day. I was on a phone call with him. And he's like, yeah, you know, 20 years ago, there were very little copywriters. There was very little just in terms of volume. And there was even a smaller amount of A-list copywriters like 20 years ago. And he's like, nowadays, there's a ton of copywriters, but there's still a very small amount of high-level copywriters. There's a ton of copywriters. Like, there's thousands and tens of thousands of freelancers right. and in-house people that are not that great. And then there's a smaller amount of people who are at the highest level. And really the amount of work that you guys keep saying, I do a lot of work and I do, I do that because like I said, it's a natural part of me. I just feel like that's what I should be doing. But also that's how you become successful. Like that's how you make more money. That's how, I mean, because the problem nowadays is you got to convince people like, hey, I'm not like these 10,000 other freelancers who, you know, all have the same skill level, which is not that high. They don't have much of a reputation and you got to stand out from that. And a big part of that is, well, becoming friends with people, especially through live events, but also knowing what you're talking about. 
Yeah, who knows if Harris is ever going to do another round of copy cubs, but Jason, if you ever open up for taking cubs, you've sold us. <laughs> we're, we're, we're ready to sign up. This has been a yeah, fantastic be episode. You've dropped a lot of really good advice. I mean, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, you got two uh, cubs right, right here. Right here. <laughs> uh, what's interesting, I will say this really, I know it's ending the call, but a big reason a lot of top A-listers have copy cubs is not only because they like t- teaching and Paris really does like teaching, but also out of necessity. You know, a lot of A-listers form very deep relationships with clients. Relationships where it's like, hey, I'm essentially going to be running your marketing department and I'm going to be getting a cut of the front end and back end. I might get in some equity deals. Like they set up these big deals. And then these A-listers is like, well, I'm running this marketing department now, but I need all this copy done and not just the big promos, but the back end stuff, the traffic drivers, like right. all this, you know, the Google stuff, all this copy. And a lot of these A-listers, the reason they form copy cup groups is out of necessity, right? They need copy cubs to you know do all this copy that they're just not capable of doing because they don't have the time or they just don't have the desire because they want to focus on the big money stuff they don't want to focus on the small money stuff so i always tell people get somebody i don't care if it's in-house i don't care if it's a mentor preferably in like a one-on-one relationship it doesn't have to be but get somebody who knows what you're talking about to train you hopefully they're at a level where they need some smaller copywriting work done and maybe you could do some smaller stuff for them but go for the highest level person you can, man. I went for Paris on Propolis. I was able to get that and that was great. It doesn't have to be Paris, but it's such a valuable thing. And a lot of times, a lot of these top guys need smaller copy work done. And a lot of times, if you could give us like, hey, I'm at least at the level where I can do, you know, these emails or these articles, you know, it could be content, could be traffic driving, like maybe you can form a relationship and it's an extremely valuable experience. Yeah, it's really, really solid advice. So Jason, if somebody wants to connect with you, get on your email list. I know you've emailed you know, some really great advice about working in the health niche in the past. Where would they connect with you? I do on my website, which is my name, jasonrakowski.com. I might have accidentally took down my email list, login, like sign up thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I forgot why. But yeah, I do have my website there. You can contact me through there. I'm going to put back up my... <laughs> problem is like, I kind of stopped emailing to my list. That's why I think I took it down for a little bit. Just because I've been... I don't know, man. Sometimes you just get focused on client work. And I don't really have any aspirations of monetizing my list. You know, I, I really... I'm not going to be Mr. Guru product creator, man. You know, so... Been there, done that. Hey, never say never. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I'll put it back up. But just for the meantime, I'm not really mailing anybody. So sorry. But yeah, I do have a website that people can check out if they want to. Very cool. Thank you. This has been very grounding. I feel like it reminds me of how much how much more I want to learn and how much more there is to learn. So thank you for sharing so much advice, actionable advice, and then inspiring us too. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.